Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mystery writer, author, Arthur Summers Roach said this. Anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the heart. And if encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Again? Or no? Got it? Anxiety is a thin stream of fear running through the heart, trickling through the heart. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts I'm sure you know, doctors, physicians, medical experts, they all agree that stress and anxiety and worry lead to heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, I should say can lead to these, I mean, you know. Um, Weakening of the immune system, difficulty in the digestive system, substance abuse, mental health problems, migraines, I guess the physical effects of worry, stress, none of them positive, but many of them are dangerous. And if the physical effects of worry are great and dangerous, how much more the spiritual effects, right? Even if they're less apparent. How many people here would say that worry affects you at times? Can we raise our hands? I don't know. I mean, it affects all of us to some degree. We worry. And Jesus speaks about it. He spoke about it in his famous Sermon on the Mount. And he speaks about it in the gospel reading for today that we just heard. Kind of a continuation of the lesson from last week. As I mentioned, where Jesus warned against greed. About putting such a value on earthly possessions and wealth. But now there's a progression and Jesus wants to point us to the spiritual treasure that we have to kind of go in hand sort of as this antidote or this remedy against worry. But if you think about it, worry or stress or anxiety, we're not going to do this, but if I ask each of you to come up with a bit of a list of things that can cause us to worry, you think we could make a pretty decent list? The economy, the prices of things, uh, maybe a little bit. We've got a little relief, but the future of our economy. War, now there's another thing to think about. And terror, closer to home. Um, social issues, moral issues the direction of the world in general, of our country, of our community, 
how that's going to affect marriage and families. Sometimes when I think about, I have two grandchildren, and when I think about them, they're really small, but what's the world that they're going to be living in? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be easier for them than it has been? Or who knows? But there's no end. You let your mind go that way. Not only will the trickle turn into a channel of worry, but it probably easily could become this Grand Canyon of worry if you allow it to go that way. But Jesus turned to his disciples in our gospel lesson. He speaks to us in our gospel lesson. Two words, don't worry. Powerful words, especially coming from Jesus. I think we all know, right? To not worry is easier said than done. Agree on that one too? Forgive me, but I, I like to see. Easier said than done, not worry. Okay, very good. But Jesus kind of speaks to us here, and there's two things. I just kind of want to give a little direction. Jesus, there's two things going on here. Jesus is trying to do two things. I want to compare it to maybe a surgery. There's a, there are many different surgeries, but some of them are a removal, right? A, a removal of a tumor or a growth or something. And then there's other surgeries that are replacements, right? In Jesus' words that we just heard, both of those things are happening. Jesus looks to remove worry, but he looks to replace it with something else. Okay? Let's think about Jesus trying, seeking to remove worry for us. He talks about two things. But they kind of represent all the things of life that we might worry about. The two things he mentions are food and clothing, right? And that's natural because every single day it's something we deal with. Okay. But Jesus makes four different statements. Look at the birds. We sang about this. Look at the birds and look at the flowers. Okay? Birds, don't worry. Birds don't make plants. They don't make shopping lists, and they don't have a budget. God simply takes care of it. And it's interesting, I find it interesting. Jesus didn't put out there like some doves. The ravens, and God provides for the ravens too, but it's kind of unique, right? Like roadkill, basically. But God, God provides for them. And God provides for every bird in whatever way possible. Think about the flowers. Flowers don't worry. They don't work. They don't sow. They have no idea what a to-do list is or a job description. But God simply clothes them. And their grandeur, their splendor is greater than that of Solomon. Even though they quickly fade and they dry up, dry up and go away. So I'm not suggesting, just to be sure, I'm not against uh, or suggesting that there's something wrong with budgeting or to-do lists or shopping lists or anything like that. What am I suggesting? What is Jesus getting at? If God provides for the birds and the flowers in this way, 
won't he care for you? God will take care of you because you're precious to him and you're loved by him. Second, Jesus says something kind of very bluntly. Worrying doesn't work, right? Who of you can add either to your height or to the length of your life just by worrying? Who can do it? Neither one, right? It's impossible. So Jesus kind of just flatly says, worrying doesn't work. In fact, Jesus said, worrying is what the pagan world or the unbelieving world does. And it makes sense because if someone is not a believer in Jesus and has no idea that there's a heavenly father who provides and cares for us, the only thing an unbeliever can say is, this all depends on me. That's their outlook. Up to me. But we are unbelievers. And so Jesus said, worrying isn't even necessary. Your father knows what you need. Half of you are, can close your ears and the other half listen up. You remember Father Knows Best TV show? Half of you know that. Our Heavenly Father knows what you need. And if He gave His only Son, gave Him up for us, will He not give us all things? Some convincing arguments, might say, by Jesus, right? To not worry. So why do we keep worrying? Jesus here is like a good doctor who, you know how a doctor seemed to have a knack for putting their finger right in the place where it hurts to reveal what's wrong, right? So Jesus kind of does that here when he said those short little words, O you of little faith. He said that several times to his disciples in different situations, and he says it here. Worrying about things that are in God's hands. Worrying about things that God has promised to give us. Worrying about things that are right up his alley, that are on his job description, is a lack of faith. And finally, right? But notice, Jesus doesn't say, you of no faith, does he? He says, you of little faith. And those disciples, just like us, during their life, their faith is a living thing. And as we feed on Jesus' promises and on his word and on the Lord's Supper, our faith continues to grow. And so Jesus invites us to come and hear, receive, so that our faith might grow. We might trust in him and not worry. What a folly it is to worry, as if we had no father in heaven, as if he had not promised to care for me, as if he didn't love me enough, as if somehow he was not able to provide all that I need. Does Jesus encourage us to worry, uh, like, you know, you should worry a little bit less, it'll be good for your health, or does Jesus say you have no reason to worry? You have no reason to worry. Said it four times. But today, 
we hear what Jesus is saying to us, we recognize. We're not unbelievers, pagans, but we are sinful people that still have a lack of faith. We recognize that. We confess it. Lord, forgive me for worrying about what you have promised to give me. Forgive me for doubting the care and the love that you will give me. You promised to give me. We confess that and then we look to him as the one who has already forgiven us. Every sin, including every sin of worry, every moment of worry that we ever have, and we listen to the one with his love and with his word and with his promises builds us up. Says, I love you. I will care for you. I will provide for you. And then, listen to how Jesus sort of gives us a nudge in another direction. After removal, like I was talking about, and now he puts something else in place of worry. When Jesus said, seek his kingdom, everything else will be added. Seek his kingdom. You know, it's not a place. It doesn't have walls or, uh, what's the word? Um, boundaries or, what's the word? Lines? Borders, thank you. God's kingdom doesn't have walls or borders. It's his influence. Through his word, through his love and promises in our lives and through us to others. That kingdom is something he says, it's already been given to you. God is pleased to have given you his kingdom. The words seek his kingdom and his righteousness are not given only for unbelievers, they're given for us who are believers because it's good to love what God has given us. It's good. To seek what God has already given us. It's good to appreciate what we have through Christ. It's good to engage in it and enjoy it. It's good to trust, believe, and encourage others and to thank God and to pray with others about the same thing. To be active in, and in, Jesus even says, don't fear little flock. What a precious, <laughs> Little word there. Don't fear, little flock. Jesus' kingdom doesn't always look like the great and glorious and grand thing that he says it is. That we know it is. But it doesn't always look that way now, does it? Have no fear, little flock. God has been pleased to give you his kingdom. Even now, heaven for all eternity. So that makes Make you different. You can act differently. You can think differently. You can give away, remember what it's, give away what you have to the needy with no worry because God will continue to provide for you. God has given you everything. The best thing is kingdom. I'm trying to think of uh, an example. Maybe example of a husband whose birthday is coming up. He, he works as an auto mechanic. The one thing that he would love to have for his birthday is a brand new pickup truck. As an auto mechanic, his whole life he's fixed up old cars and driven them and it's been wonderful. And he thinks 
it would be great to have a brand new pickup truck. And he thinks his wife has that in mind for his birthday. He's anticipating it, and he can't wait. And when that day comes, here comes his wife with this beautiful shirt and tie combination. It was really well-fitting, nice color, everything beautiful. And he smiles, right? But trying to hide what's really the disappointment inside of him because he really wanted that truck, right? I wonder if sometimes these words can just go right over our head. God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Could we ever, do we ever say I was hoping for something else? God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And why worry? Experience can show us the folly of worrying, but only Jesus can help us stop worrying. And he does that in one last way at the end words of that last hymn, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Right? Notice he doesn't say where your heart is, you'll find your treasure. We don't, like, follow our hearts. You and I know that our hearts are sinful, right? We don't always want what God wants for us. But Jesus here again points us to the real treasure. Jesus' kingdom and Jesus himself. And we already have that. That's all we need. And that's everything we need. Realize that. Believe that. Seek that. And your heart will follow. And there will be no need to worry. Seek Jesus. A replacement for worry. You know Bobby Farron? You know Bobby Farron? Singer, songwriter? You know. He wrote the words, Don't worry. Be happy. Right. Easier said than done. And honestly, we do worry at times. C.S. Lewis, I, I kind of like the comparison Bobby Perrin and C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, human history is the long and terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And Jesus gives us that promise. I love you, I'll care for you, I'll provide for you. He gives us a plan. In place of worry, seek his kingdom. And he makes this plea, don't fear. Don't worry. You know, it's really not a choice between 
to worry or to not worry. You really have the choice to worry or to trust our loving and all-powerful Savior. And so this morning, we ask Jesus, day by day, to remove our worry, to put in its place trust so that we can seek, can seek his kingdom day by day. Amen. May the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.